Okay, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. What an afternoon it has been. It is March 15th. Today on the show, our good friend Martin Trojanowski and I planned to have a nice little retrospective on the season, talk about the Drexel game, talk about the names in the transfer portal, and about an hour before we started recording this, news came out. Earl Grant is headed to Boston College. The College of Charleston begins their search for a new head basketball coach. Everything we were going to talk about off the table, we moved everything around. This is basically our instant reactions to the news. Uh, so you're going to hear Martin and I reacting in real time, stream of consciousness, trying to make sense of everything that happened. Uh, we talk a little bit about, you know, just our appreciation for Earl. This is a great opportunity for him. Wish him the best. We started to bounce around some different names. We talked about, you know, is Greg Marshall on the table? Obviously a longtime CFC assistant, but left Wichita State on some pretty ugly terms. We bounced around some names about other kind of regional low and mid-major coaches. And we talked a little bit about the guys who are in the transfer portal now. I'm sure news is going to continue to come out in regards to that. Everything's happening really quickly, but I just wanted to get something up to get our initial thoughts going. We'll be sure to keep you updated throughout the whole coaching search process and any updates. You know, you can obviously head to Twitter or Instagram to check those out. Anyway, here's the pod. Let us know what you think. All right, guys, this is an emergency podcast. We are filming this at 1.30 on Monday. Martin Trojanowski is here. We had an agenda set for this podcast. We were going to talk about the Drexel game. We were going to talk about the season as a whole, but we cannot ignore the news that just came out. Earl Grant is headed to Boston College. The College of Charleston is without a head coach. Martin, we're, we're scrapping the agenda. What are just the initial thoughts going through your head right now? Um. I mean, my first thought is uh, I'm really, really happy for Earl. I'm one of those people that I was a big Earl believer. I've always been. I think he does have certain assets. He recruits high uh, IQ and high character individuals. And I suspect his reputation as a guy that can develop players um, was probably the reason that Boston College chose him. Um, I can't imagine that he was first on their list. You know, it's a bit of a geographic Mm -hmm. jump for Earl. But, and, you know, they have gone the mid-major route before, not successfully. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how he does. I mean, Boston College is a team that's really struggled ever since it made the move to the ACC. Um, From Al Skinner to uh, Jim Christian was their latest coach and um, the guy from Cornell who I forget right now. Uh, all of them kind of crashed and burned to BC. So my that was my first thought. My second thought was, I don't think Earl Grant takes the Boston College job if he feels like the ground at Charleston is really solid under him. Hmm. Um, because of how difficult the job it is and how much of a geographic jump it is. I wonder if Earl was looking for a lifeboat. Boston College gave him one. And he doesn't have to hit that critical five, six-year mark in a program where a new athletic director director gets kind of happy feet. Um, my third thought is that I think this puts a lot of the transfers in context. Yep. But I'm sure we can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, well, you don't think the appeal of coaching in the ACC was enough to, to pull Coach Grant away? You think there was something, some shaky ground at Charleston? Um, I mean, it's just speculation. I mean, there's many coaches that have made that leap up. 
I mean, obviously it's going to be a raise. Uh, although Boston, uh, I, as for those of you that know, I do live in Boston, actually Newton of all places, which is where BC is located. Mm-hmm. Uh, not terribly far from BC's campus. It's very expensive um, here. And, uh, you know, if you fail in that major coach, it's kind of role, it's kind of tough to get back into it. So he, if he, if his success was going really well in Charleston, he may have waited for a better job, you know, yeah. but he, he kind of hit a little bit of uh, skids the last couple of years. So it may have been easier for him to just take the opportunity now, but who knows? I'm not real grand. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Well, I, the consensus around social media seems to be head scratching uh, from Charleston fans and from BC fans and from college basketball fans. I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but the time for coach Grant to probably jump was after the 2018 championship, you know, he gets Charleston back to the NCAAs. Instead, he ends up signing that extension. And then I think the past two years, I mean, going 0-1 at the CAA tournament, a lot of fans, I mean, there was obviously a subset of fans who were hoping Coach Grant was not going to be the coach, but I don't think anybody anticipated it being like this. Even when he interviewed for the Wake Forest job that eventually went to Steve Forbes, people were kind of head-scratching head that one. Yeah, no, I mean, Wake Forest would have made more sense uh for sure because of the geography and you know earl's familiarity with uh clemson and the area and the acc but i guess that's why boston college took him and i can understand why college basketball finds it a head scratcher because there are certainly uh coaches in the mid-major sphere that are a lot thought to be a lot higher in the pecking order yeah uh west miller at greensboro mark schmidt um, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. How can, how can, I mean, when I saw that the BC job was opening up, I was sure that they were going to call Bill Cohen. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Does he just not want to go there? I mean, or, or maybe he burned some bridges. I, I think it was an assistant there, um, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. That, you, uh, Earl Graham probably wasn't even the favorite in his own conference for that job. Right. Right. I wonder, uh, that's going to be pretty funny when you see uh, Earl Grant's Boston college teams play, uh, Bill Cohen's Northeastern. I might have to go to that game. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. Man, yeah, so I, I think I'm with you, though. I mean, initial thought was just good for Earl Grant. I mean, he's now at a basement dweller in the ACC, but he's in the ACC. He's at the top of, of college basketball in terms of conferences. And I think it still is a good look for Charleston. I mean, I think this we'll get into this, but this is a good job. And if you're a young coach who, with no head coaching experience like Earl Grant was, you can parlay that into a, into an ACC coaching job. I think that does well to entice coaches to come here uh, next. So let's just get into that conversation. I mean, who is on the top of your list for, for who Charleston's going to hire? Yeah, I mean, I'll add one more thing in context to what you just said, Tommy. Uh, if you're kind of real, being real politic about it, and let's say – our athletic director Matt Roberts is starting get starting to get uneasy with Earl. Um, this is a dream come true. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know the details of of Earl's contract, but a Earl Matt doesn't have to pay to get rid of Earl. He probably gets some sort sort of. Um, I imagine that Earl had some sort of clause in his contract uh, that there was a payout to CFC, so yep. that gives us yep. a little cash to go searching. Um, and, uh, you know, so this, this is like, if, if our, if Matt Roberts was thinking about getting rid of Earl, then, you know, this gives him a green clean slate to try to 
make his hire for the program. Do you think Roberts goes to the UNC uh, pool or the SMU or Oklahoma route? Or, I mean, there's one name that I really hope there's so. one name that's obvious, um, a former CFC assistant. Um, but who's who's at the top of your list? I, it depends on how um, you know. I, the the CFC position in the CAA was considered one of the best you know positions out there for the conference. I think it was number two behind UNCW. It was number one. Uh, it was number one in those, those Jeff Goodman rankings, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think the knock right now is that the, C- the CAA itself is taking a little dip. Uh, in, in, uh, but the benefit of something like the CAA is that it's a trans, you know, it, it spans, it's not a regional conference. It's a national, it's a national conference that stretches from Boston to Charleston with a lot of major metro areas. So it's a great job to um, to bounce yourself up if you're successful, as uh, um, Kevin Keats did a couple of years ago at UNCW. Uh, I think you got to interview Greg Marshall if you're Charleston, uh, the former coach that you're alluding to. Uh, you don't get guys with that kind of track record that have a such a integral connection to College of Charleston. Now I'm saying interview because it's he, he's pretty toxic right now. And he's toxic in ways that CFC may not want to swallow, given what we went through with Doug Wojcik and Matt Heath in baseball because of his abuse allegations. So I could be very, I, I could see it going either way, Tommy. I could see us interviewing him and I could see us staying steer clear. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, you're, you're right about the name I was alluding to. I think that's fair. And how ironic that Earl would go from Greg's assistant to Greg replacing Earl and coming back full circle to Crest. And it, it's just crazy. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He's toxic goods right now. And it, I mean, that's a tough sell. And you, yeah. And you and I were talking about it earlier on an unrelated topic. I mean, the, the, it's one thing when you're dirty, like Bruce Pearl, who just cheats <laughs> or Will Wade. Uh, you know, those guys, you can be redeemable if you cheat. You just say you won't cheat anymore, but then you just probably keep on cheating. But uh, but if you're an abuser, I just those I think those guys have tough times getting jobs because it's a it's hard to change it from that. Um, so that's why I don't even know if, if Greg Marshall is going to coach anymore, let alone here. I want some names that I'd like to I mean, I think the first question you have to ask yourself uh, when you're when you're Matt Roberts is. Do you stay with, you know, the type of defense first mentality that we were supposedly having? Um, or do you want to try to switch it up to a more kind of offensively minded coach? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I kind of like the idea of, of us staying with a particular style of play uh, that made us known. It makes the transitions a little easier, but I could see Roberts going in the other direction. I am not interested in any Chapel Hill you know, protege, those guys seem to crash yeah. and burn. No, I don't, I don't think you uh, pull any of those longtime coaches from P5 programs. I mean, we saw what happened at UNCW. The style of play is just completely different. You can't get by. Even that I was at UAB for a while, and I'm trying to think of the coach that was there when I was there, uh, Jeff Haas, who ended up pulling a slightly successful season at UAB and parlaying that into a Stanford job. And he's just kind of been stuck in the mud. And he's probably the most successful Williams that's, assistant um i mean everyone else has been terrible 
Uh, I mean, I would, I would, I would give if after Marshall, I'd probably give Pat Kelsey a call at Winthrop. He's been terrific there. He very well may say no thank you. Uh, he said no thank you to UMass a year or two ago. I mean, he signed the contract and then turned around and went right back to Winthrop and won 25 mm -hmm. games again. Um, so, I mean, he seems to be very, very successful regionally. I'd be curious. I mean, this is kind of a pipe dream, but I'd be curious to see if South Carolina lets Greg Martin go. Frank Martin. Uh, Frank yeah. Martin, sorry. Uh, if he lets Frank Martin gets let go, oh, man, I'd love to get him because I think he'd be terrific at CFC. So, I, I, I mean, that's like a pipe dream. He's, he's at a different level than we are. Yeah, but he, he might get um, dropped from USC. If you're talking about assistants, I mean, I was I was a fan of Milan Brown, who was a former assistant of Earl's, uh, now an assistant coach at Pitt. I think he can coach really well, and he was one of those guys that took a job at Earl Holy Cross and just flamed out because it was no one's going to win at that job. Was a head coach a there, yeah. Patriot. Yeah, he was a head coach, um, and and I think the team really took a drop off when he left. Um, I don't know of any kind of other kind of regional guys that could. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. You're not you're not prepared for this scenario that you're really talking about replacing Earl. Um, trying to think of some good assistants out there. So you, um, you're leaning more toward young up and coming head coaches versus kind of the uh, retirees like a Bobby Cremens. I mean, I'd be interested in a Bobby Cremens, but is there a guy out there like that um, that fits that profile that that is willing to come? Uh, you know, Al Skinner because I was just looking up Boston College coaches really fast. You know, Al Skinner was living in the Charleston area and lobbying for the Charleston job, I think, when we hired yeah, Bojack. I remember that. And, and uh, he ended up coaching at Kennesaw State. And sucked there. He was terrible. So, um, you know, and got fired and, and actually got replaced by a former CFC assistant. Um, uh, Abdul Rahim. Abdul Rahim. Abdul Rahim. Yep. Um, that's a guy you could call, though I, I don't think he's been that successful there. I I'd, I'd I'd rather get the uh, up and coming. I'd give the Furman guy a call. Bob Ritchie. That, uh, Bob Ritchie. He's only thirty five. Yeah. I mean, he may not view. It, he may be the type of guy that doesn't want to switch conferences right now. He's got a good thing going at Furman, and it's too much of a lateral move. Um, and if you're talking about assistance, you know, I I probably look at. I mean, Mike Young. Does Mike Young have a good assistant? I mean, that was the 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 ship that never that never happened. All the times that Mike Young interviewed for CFC and never got the job, and he turned out to be you know a guy whose game and recruiting can translate on any level. Yeah, let's let, let's Maybe not go down the path of uh, coaches CFC missed out on. We've touched Marshall, Mike Young. <laughs> we could we could go to Mark Byington or Coach Quentin Farrell, but we'll we'll, we'll steer away from that topic. Yeah, no, but I'm just talking about guys who can like who have who have systems that sure. play at that mid major mid major levels, and he and he's obviously a good student of the game. But I, I guess if this is uh, you'll probably have a more full full on podcast. Um, but my 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 gut would be an up and coming coach that knows the region uh, that that kind of can come in and work on you know a similar type situation here. But it'll be interesting what jobs get what guys get. Uh, get pulled although i fear the the chapel hill retread uh that's that sounds terrifying no no matt doherty's or anything oh, like that oh god yeah no i would not not be a fan <laughs> of that um first couple names that popped out to me 
does Quentin Farrell do a, a Jamie and Christian and bounce from from his alma mater, Presbyterian, one year in? Probably not. Uh, I thought about Milan Brown. I think Everett German mentioned that one on Twitter. The head coach from Radford, who I think interviewed for the JMU job last year, is always on the hot mid-major coaching names list, um, Mike Jones. He would be a good one. He's got the regional ties. Uh, Bob Ritchie obviously jumped out to me, but I agree. I think Furman to CFC, I mean, right now it's maybe lateral at best, maybe even a step down if you're him. I guess you have an upgrade in, in facilities and, and budget and things like that. Those are the couple names that, that jumped out to me, but I agree. Um, I would love to see what happens with Greg Marshall. I would love to see what happens with some of these up-and-coming regional coaches. I don't know. My head's still still spinning, you know? <laughs> I don't I don't know what... Archie Miller? Frank Martin? I don't know. Like, I think the Charleston job is, is pretty attractive, and I think if you're, um, you know, a low-major coach, it's a... On the up and up, it's a good job, and we see how it can be a, a jumping off point for for bigger and better things. Obviously, I would want a coach who would stay here for a while, but I mean, I'm I am fully beyond the head coach for life mantra that like never happens yeah. uh, anymore. I just we are where who we are in the pecking order, and just get the best guy, even if you get the best guy for two three years, and just make it make it the best guy. And then, you know, if all goes well and you, you get a buyout payout and you move on to the next coach. I mean, Mike Jones is a great, is a great name. And the fact that he interviewed in JMU Mm -hmm. from Radford, I think um, says something that means that he's looking to try to like, you know, move on to the next level and certainly CFC. If if he felt that JMU represented a step up, then certainly college of Charleston does, which is a much more established name in the, in the college basketball kind of ecosystem. So I think that's a great option. Uh, right. And we haven't mentioned anybody on the current staff. I mean, do you go, do you promote someone like a JD Powell? Um, or, or is this just an opportunity to, I, to I don't clean think slate? the trajectory was strong enough. If, if let's say two years ago had happened and Earl had left in that mm-hmm. kind of primary scenario and, and Milan Brown, who has head coaching experience, is on the is on the roster, is on the team. Then I then I think long and hard on just just elevating Milan Brown. But or even, even Q, or even Q. Q took that job without a ton of experience, you know. So uh, I would I mean I really don't feel like anyone in the current staff is experienced enough or established enough to really uh, warrant getting interviewed beyond simply i mean jd powell's almost certainly going to get an interview as a as a cursory move and obviously we know of recent memory that that matt roberts at least replaced matt, you know lundy with his assistant so uh you know there is a track there by our athletic director but um i i would be a bit disappointed and, and that's nothing against jd i just want somebody with more experience should we talk about the the rest of the kind of fallout from this season because suddenly all the the transfers kind of make sense and guys like Zepp and D'Angelo Epps and Dontavious King who announced their transfer pretty early in the process I mean Charleston season ended early comparatively but now that makes a lot more sense uh do you think that's the major reason why all three of those guys jumped I certainly hope so um you know it certainly makes 
more sense now. And though I could see Zeb staying or going either way. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like some of the things you were hearing, the rumblings were already happening that Zepp was going to move on. And like we had kind of bandied about on the, on the online forums for College of Charleston, you know, I viewed, you know, Zepp and Canyon and even Grant Riller, who didn't ultimately transfer, those are very different transfers than the guys that leave after one or two years. Yep. You know, I think the guys that stay four years and then wanted a change of scenery after graduating, I mean, I think that's, you can't be, you know, you can't have animals. You can't fault them. Yeah, you can't fault them for that, especially since Zepp is getting calls from half the ACC and SEC. And Bruce that, Pearl's about to drop the bag for him. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still think he ends up in pit, but that's my that's my guess. Just simply because they have they literally don't have point guard on the roster. But, um, but and, and then but the, as uh, some of the other guys that you know mentioned, I was really surprised at Epps. Like that didn't make any sense. But now that Earl's gone, to me that totally explains D'Angelo leaving, because um, you know that just explains it. Because otherwise, that was the biggest head scratcher. Yeah, Epps was a question mark to me because it seemed like he was exactly at the level of D1 college basketball he should be at. And he, this time last year, I thought Epps for sure was on the same track as Quan McClooney. And if he didn't improve from year one to year two, he was going to be out the door. But at the end of this year, I mean, he made some improvements. He turned out to be kind of our sixth man this season and seemed in line for, for more minutes as a junior. And then just like on the traditional mid-major kind of development path. Um, so yeah, I, I questioned that one as well, but now you see the schools reaching out to him and it's kind of, uh, I think Hampton and Western Carolina and maybe a tier below where CFC is at. If he's in, if he's looking for more playing time, he'll probably get it at a, at a stop like that. But yeah, he's a, he's an Earl Grant type player. Yeah. I think, you know, he's that kind of junkyard dog mentality that coach Grant loves. But also like a high character kind of, uh, you know, yep. high IQ type kid. So you, you like, that was the exact, that was, he was a blueprint Earl Grant type player, right? I mean, sometimes you can tell that Earl on his recruiting, I mean, part of the narrative that I was kind of reaching for for this pod was that, you know, did Earl really need to reevaluate the type of guys he was bringing in? Because I think we were, some of our lack of success uh, if you will, over the last few years, was a consequence of losing so many guys. If you can't, if you can't keep the guys, if you keep losing thirty percent of your roster to transfers, it's really hard to build something because you never get those upper upperclassmen that have four years in the system. I mean, Zep being mm-hmm. the only guy, and it's, you know, the, the sadness about losing Zep is that I really felt on those last couple games, the offense. Finally, the light bulb finally clicked on him. The most, the most devastating thing about that Drexel game, that was, to me, one of Zepp's best games offensively as a College of Charleston player. Like, you could tell that the offensive game finally slowed down for him. He wasn't just a defensive specialist. And he dropped, what, 38 the game before? Yeah. In Columbus State? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Ryan Teichler, who's, who's been on the pod before, put it best on the forum CFC kind of failed Zepp Jasper in that regard. Um, he put the team on his back completely these final two games, and the team won in overtime versus a D2 squad and lost to uh, lost to Drexel. But I'm with you. I, I don't wish Zepp any ill will. 
to me, he did his four years. He got his degree. I would have loved for him to stay, but I don't know if the team around him was going to be the best uh, fit for him, if, for him to reach the goals that he has. So yeah. best of luck to, to him. I totally agree with you on that. Um, and, uh, but then some of the other guys, like, you know, so, I mean, Dontavious, man, what a, what a, what a season, what a, what a difference a year makes or whatever, three months. I mean, I, I was on one of your earliest pods and we were sitting there having a conversation about Dontavious being our breaking the freshman of the year, freshman of the year. And now he's spun out entirely. I mean, it's curious. I mean, I, he's another one that I probably suspect was on his way out, regardless of how Earl, you know, Earl's job status um, ended up. But um, man, what a what a disappointing season for that young man. I hope I hope he does well in his next stop too. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like King is going to be one we're going to look back in three or four years, and it's going to sting even more that we lost him because he's clearly talented. And you saw the flashes of it. Um, his biggest issue was just kind of getting his head straight with fouls and turnovers and keeping himself on the floor. I don't know where he heads because he looked really good in spurts. Maybe he can go back to some of those teams that recruited him out of high school uh, and and still you know have enough tape to impress them. I don't know if he's going to get high major offers. He might even go the Isaiah Moore route and go to JUCO for a year, tear it up there, and then get a high major uh, roster spot. That's going to be an interesting one just because of the lack of playing time, but the clear and obvious talent that's there. Right. So is is uh, Dontavious is sealing Chavez or, um, or is for Isaiah Moore, who's now transferring to his fifth college program in five years. Uh, four, fourth and four. Fourth, fourth and, four, and four, I think, right? I thought he went to two different JUCOs between St. John's and um, Charleston, though. I think he oh. booted off of one of his JUCOs. With, within, within one year? Yeah. Or maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought he got kicked off the, the squad. But anyway, um, Chavez, who, who parlayed CFC to a pretty solid career at Wofford, including a tournament run, and now is yep. a kind of six-man for the USC Trojans. Um you know, kind of maximize the most out of what he could. I mean, that's the exact guy you're missing, man. We would have loved to have had a guy like Chavez uh, on this roster. I think that's a guy who has a lot of D length, but can give you some offensive game. But, you know, we were really missing that. I mean, getting back to roster construction, I mean, all of this is up in the air now. I don't know what happens with the four incoming recruits that Charleston has. Um, So we don't, follow recruiting a lot on on this pod but charleston's got four guys coming in who on paper look pretty good uh raekwon horton is a three-star guy who got it was a wing uh, got offers from towson uncw east tennessee old dominion uh jalen haynes the most recent one is six eight big who had a lot of power five interest i mean he got offers from mississippi state virginia tech vcu he looks like a, a a guy who could you know plug and play right away and then you've got two guards one from the Orlando area, from from Joe Chile's hometown, uh, Kanye Jones, who's a twenty plus you know point per game scorer, who also got a bunch of CAA offers, uh, and then Michael Dudley, who comes from that uh, Jeff McGinnis uh, kind of pipeline up in North Carolina, who had offers from Hofstra and Elon. So, I don't know what what happens with those guys. I mean, that's the benefit to sticking with the Earl Grant coaching tree is maybe you retain uh, some of those dudes. Who knows what happens, and then already because of the transfers out 
and the graduation of four guys, Charleston was already going to have to be filling some spots on the transfer market. So uh, do you think all of this needs to, does the head coach need to be in place to, to kind of clean this up? Yeah. I mean, um, I think most importantly, you got to get the right guy and you can't have short-term considerations. If those guys want to leave and, and kind of be released from their, uh, you know, letters of intent, then, um, then so be it. You still have to hire the right guy. Uh, and I don't think we should go after uh, Earl Grant protege simply to try to retain some of those recruits. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we lost some or all of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um, something to monitor for sure because I think Earl, if he wasn't feeling the heat on a hot seat, at least knew he kind of had to reset things, uh, you know, with four guys heading out the door, and it looked like it was going to be a pretty nice recruiting class. Um, We've seen coaching hires at JMU and UNCW completely annihilate incoming freshmen or just underclassmen classes altogether. So it will be interesting. Um, But I agree with you. I think it's too risky to keep an Earl Grant protege just for, you know, maintaining those four incoming freshmen. But I hope they choose to uh, to come in regardless. No, absolutely. That's why you need the flashy hire. That's why you need that flashy hire head coach. Right, right. I mean, it's it's hard not to compare ourselves to what just happened at UNCW a couple years ago since we're just so similar in profile, you know, basketball first coastal uh, Carolina coast schools uh, where the up and coming coach leaves to a, you know, an ACC program, they make the wrong hire and then turn oh, yeah. and went after the protege after correcting the mistake. But I think the, the key there was that they made the wrong hire, not necessarily that they didn't go after the protege. JMU went with the, you know, an alum didn't work out for them. Now they seem to have the right guy, coincidentally, someone who was a head coach at Charleston for a couple games. Um, yeah, and I think funny. UNCW's got their guy now. How funny, because if, if this happens a year ago, you got to assume that Mark Byington's yep. interviewing for the CFC job. Yep, He's yep. Ex-interim head, ex head coach here. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a really interesting. I mean, the benefit of it being so early, you know, when we hired Earl, it was so late in the coaching search process in September. Yeah. We just had to scramble something together. And, and, um, now it's, you know, very early. We have all the time in the world, relatively speaking to really kind of think about it and bring up a bunch of guys in an interview and and pick the right hire. I hope, I hope Matt Roberts picks as good a men's head coach for basketball as he did a women's head coach. You're a big coach harmony fan, right? I am. I mean, it just seemed like the team was adrift for so long. And, and Harmony was someone who had clearly had success. It was such a bump in her first year. It just felt like, and then she followed that up with a good recruiting class. I really think she's, she's on the upward trajectory. Uh, so I hopefully. Did, did you, did you enjoy the fact that the two CAA coaches of the year, both were college of Charleston head coaches at one point, Natasha Adair and Mark Byington. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Well, our bloodlines, bloodlines do run deep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, well, I Matt Roberts is going to earn that paycheck with this hire. I mean, this is 
this is as big as it gets uh, at this school. And with, uh, you know, not much coming back um, and a lot of open roster spots to fill, yeah, you're, you're on like a precipice for, you know, something big one way or another. It's either going to blow up in our faces like the Wojcik one did or it's going to take off like the Earl Grant hire did. So uh, I think fans are going to be reasonably stressed out, but this is um, a chance to kind of reset the trajectory of the program. Um, so we'll see if we continue to build on what Earl Earl uh, built here or reset things the way we did with the Harion hire or the or the uh, Wojcik hire. Yeah, let's, I mean, we'll, I mean, I'll finish it with this, you know, Earl inherited a program that was an absolute disaster, you know, yeah. guys leaving, you know, every, the fans adrift, the coach fired and amid scandal. And in five years, he brought us back to mid-major, mid-low major respectability, if nothing else, you know, NCAA trip. Uh, an IT trip, two guys drafted in the NBA draft, which a feat that will probably not get repeated ever again, I imagine. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. And uh, and a third guy kind of making it into the NBA, you know, via the long route. But I think an excellent track record of high caliber, high quality IQ and high character kids. No, I think that's, I think that's the exact right sentiment to end with. I mean, everyone... Earl brought in was high character. Guys got their degree, walked across the cistern. Um, obviously developed talent, taking a couple of two-star recruits who didn't have much, uh, many offers, putting them in the NBA. So yeah, uh, Coach Grant really did everything you could have asked for him as a as a mid-major head coach, and wish him nothing but the best at the Boston College gig. You know, I'm sure we'll both be rooting for him. You'll probably go to some games, but. Um, now, now we turn our attention to uh, whatever happens the rest of the summer. Here, here to the next chapter. All right. You and I both have to get back to work, I'm sure. Uh, so I will leave you. But Martin, thanks for jumping on, man. And uh, we'll just keep our eyes peeled. Thanks a lot, Tommy. Always a pleasure to come on the show. No problem. Take care.